It was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Ba-ba-da-ba! Ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba! Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Wait. Wait, I just... I think I just... Did you just... Yeah. Yeah, I just had an idea. This tape will... Self-destruct in five seconds. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 89 of the Almost Daily Show with your hosts with the most of anything in the history of the world and maybe the best thing since individually wrapped cheese slices, Chandler and... Well, I don't have anything nearly remotely close to that, so Dave. That was really good, wasn't it? I'm sorry, the Dave Picardi. There we go. That's what I like to hear. I just like to make our intros like out of this world and a little bit off the wall and fun. And then people, they never know what to expect next. Well, for anybody watching the show, uh, maybe we have you start off with a backflip or something or wearing a clown outfit. That could really get them going. With my uh, headset on so it'll just like knock stuff everywhere and I'll break everything in the room. There you go. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Or I could use my blonde wig. It is a nice wig. It's very nice. I have, uh, there is a wig that's in the office with me, uh, but it's not mine. And um, it's it's an 80s, almost like a a Joe Dirt style wig, like the mullet. So I don't even want to put it on. Oh, that's fun. Yep. Even though back in the day, back in the day, dude, I would have had a mullet. That's all I ever wanted, I think, in the 80s. Long hair. But yeah. my, uh, my mother wouldn't let me have it. I don't know if you've seen my baby pictures. I had a full-blown mullet when I was a little kid. Like Did My you? mom was an 80s it. rocker. I had a mullet that was up here at the top and then straight down the back. <laughs> it was so good. Someday I'll post uh, that picture somewhere. Please do. Thank God it's you on my Instagram. It. <laughs> it's true. I should have kept it around. It would have been classy and inspirational. Right? A little bit little bit uh, Joe Dirt, a little bit fun, a little bit Chandler. Yep. That'd be good. <laughs> That'd be good. And that's what it's all about, living that life like a tuxedo t-shirt, saying, hey, I'm a little classy, but I'm also here to party, and I'm here to have fun. Aren't we all, Chan? So let's that's talk shop, man. Right. Let's talk. Yeah. Pre-qualifying so your prospects. Yeah, so we wanted to do a show about how you can pre-qualify prospects before they walk in your gym. Set the expectations up front, tell them what they need to do, and then when they show up, you can ask them if they did it or they didn't do it. And then it's it's a concept called setting the contracts up front, just making sure they know what they need to do because if you understand and know how people operate, if you don't tell them to do something, they're not they're never going to, in the history of the world, going to think to do it. And it's just how people are. They have to be told what to do and what they need to do, and then they'll be comfortable doing it, or at least they'll understand. Yeah, and I think that you know this comes down to uh, making sure you put the work in, um, you know, even with, you know, either who you're marketing to or how you, uh, the different, um, I guess, avenues for getting prospects uh, and making sure that you understand the buy, buyer personas and uh, and you put the work in as, you know, who is your ideal client? Who are you going to be talking to? Uh, because this all matters when pre-qualifying. Your message has to pre-qualify. The funnel in has to pre-qualify. 
and if and if you're just randomly looking for people, it's really hard to uh, to act, to pre-qualify anybody. Right? Yeah, it's more than just, just getting remember. a heartbeat. Right. Exactly. If you try to market to everybody, you're going to market to nobody, and you're going to get to get a bunch of low-quality business. But it's just because you didn't set up what you needed to do up front. And when you think of the way a funnel works, the Facebook ad that you put out is going to be speaking to your intended market directly. You should understand and know your client avatar, your client, who they are, what they want, what they need, and then you should understand your business and your culture enough to display that in a way that it's going to make them feel like they want to be part of that. Then you have to decide, okay, now I have to either, I'm going to send them either into something like Facebook Messenger or a landing page or whatever, but each one of those has to have a pre-qualifying step. If you're trying to get everybody, you keep, you just ask for an email address and that's it, but then you get a bunch of low-quality leads that probably won't show up, so... What we find is the more questions you ask and the longer you make your form, the less leads you're going to get, but the more qualified they are going to be when they actually walk in your door. And you can even make your forms in a step-by-step fashion that we see. So ask for name, email address, phone number, then the next page, ask them to schedule, then the next page, all the things that they need to do when they walk in. And this is a critical point I think a lot of people miss out on. It's the final thank you page shouldn't just be, hey, thank you, we're going to call soon or whatever to confirm, but hey, thanks for opting in for our big booty boot camp. Uh, here's uh. what you can expect. Uh, uh. And here's what we need when you walk in the door. Boom. You've set the contracts. It's written. They know what it says. You can send an e- email up with follow-up. You're probably going to call them or text them to follow up. And so we may need to make sure we re- reiterate what we need to happen in each one of those follow-up mechanisms. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, there's, you, know, you can have different steps to it. One thing that you want to be really careful of, uh, especially you know, we see like, people going through sales courses and and you, know, you, you put in all this work to pre-qualify and it gets very specific and then you go out and you eliminate this monster market you know of people that could potentially someday become clients uh, but you're pre-qualifying them too fast so you know that's where you know say we look at the social media world uh, you know asking them for you know say name email address as a you know, it could be first name, email address as the first stage to get through your pipeline. At least you have some information to nurture them for a long time with, right? And then the next the next part, you can get more and more information as you go. Uh, but you don't want to pre-qualify them too soon either, and that's that's part of a good sales funnel. You want to yeah, be able to nurture the market as well as get high quality leads. That's true, and th- and that's the difference that we're talking about here is the difference between like just straight lead gen where you have to hope and pray your lead quali- you qualify them right away and the relationship style marketing where we can capture a small amount of info and nurture them over time via what we're doing and then continuously qualify them as they work down our funnel so maybe they download your healthy eating guide or they download whatever the thing you have is or a video series or whatever watch that then they start getting more information. You ask them questions. They click on certain links, and as they get further and further down the pipeline, you've essentially pre-qualified them for what you're doing without even without them even knowing it. And then when you go and have them fill out the forms and all of that stuff, they're in a better position. And you can do this really well with like Facebook Messenger right now. You can set it up so you can have someone like comment nutrition or whatever and get a five-part healthy eating guide. Then they get that. Then you ask them a bunch of questions. Hey, what are you interested in? Weight loss, muscle gain. I'm not interested in anything. I just clicked the button because you told me to. And they click the buttons and you're just moving them down the line, figuring out what they want, figuring out what their goals are. And the further they interact with it, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to pull them in later. And it's the same thing on, on landing pages after you've 
giving them something that a value so you give them a, a healthy eating guide or whatever and then you go down the line everybody messes up on the nurture side like once they download something that doesn't mean it's the end of it and you can just auto set them up to go that's when we continuously send them stuff until they are warm and ready to actually move forward with coming into your facility yeah and you got to be careful with uh I, I think in the in the nurture world uh automation right so it's it's been a blessing for scaling business and it's also a curse because you you know people want human interaction you know not automation and so there's there's ways to automate so that long term you're making sure you stay in front of somebody but it can't replace the human interaction that they need you know so uh, you know during automation stuff there needs to be points where there's some calls to actions there's you you know some questions uh that gets them to engage, but that means you also need to engage at those points in the funnel. Uh, yeah. You know, too often you see someone trying to automate the whole process from top to bottom and eliminate eliminate the person from the sale, uh, which can't happen, right? That That's usually a, a, a recipe for failure. Yeah, you find people are okay somewhat with getting that stuff, but then they, they do want to have the opportunity to interact with the person. And when they get a real-life interaction with the real-life person, they're a lot more excited because they feel like you took the time to care about them and you took the time to actually speak with them and actually treat them like they are people. And then on the other token, if you are running like straight lead gen stuff, because I know people are running all those challenges and a lot of that other stuff right now that are just trying to pull people in, you just have to figure out how many people do I want in here? Am I playing a volume game or do I want to get a certain amount of pre-qualification as they move through the system? And so what you'll find is you ask them for a little bit of info on the first page and you get them to schedule in and then you have whatever the thank you page or whatever. But then I think after this point, what you have to do as well is you have to set up what they need to do when they walk in the door. And so I was talking to one of our guys about getting people to actually show up, bring forms of payment and bring decision makers. And the main way to get people to do this is when you call to confirm or you text to confirm, you just put it in little bullet points like, hey, there's no obligation during this this meeting. We just kind of want to get to know you. But if you do decide that you want to be part of our program, make sure you bring your wallet, bring anybody who you need to talk about this with, and bring a big smile, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And so at least, and also obviously, give us 24 hours notice if you need to reschedule. So at least they see those things, and they know and understand. And people will fundamentally feel bad if they break the things that you told them to do. But if you don't tell them to do it, then it's your own fault for not setting it up. Yeah, and that's, that's setting the agreement, and that's just making sure that uh, there's no surprises. Because everybody that comes in, you know, if they say they're coming in for an intro or whatever they're coming in for, they brought their finances, right? Maybe they they hit them or they left them in the car. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> you know, that that's an excuse. So yeah. if, you, um, if you brought somebody in and they give you that, well, let me, you know, I have to go home and ask my husband. So know that your sales process wasn't good enough. Right, or there was a mistake in the sales process somewhere, uh, and that goes from the marketing side of it to bring the lead in and pre-qualify, then to your process when you actually get in front of them to make a sale. Uh, so you have to go back through. If that's happening to you a lot, you need to go back to the beginning and start going piece by piece, seeing where where you're making the mistake. Are you not um, asking them directly for things? Are you not clearly? communicating with them about the processes and where they're at. Uh, maybe you didn't set it up right with, with um, maybe, you know, you're not selling to their needs and their pains. Uh, maybe you're selling what you do, but you're not connecting them to your story. Uh, and that's where you want to just always be reviewing your process. 
so that when you tell them, like, you know, when you come, if it works out, if it's something that you're looking for, make sure you bring your wallet so we can get you going quicker, right? That's yeah. just setting that up so they know that you know, right? I know that you know that I know. Yeah, I know you you're going to tell me that you have right. your wallet in your back pocket, but you are going to say that I forgot it. And then I'm going to say, right. well, do you have your driver's license? No. Did you drive here? Yes. What, what's happening here? <laughs> Where is the license, right? But but just know that that's something in your process is messed up if that's happening, right? You know, occasionally, maybe, but you didn't do a good job talking to them about it, creating the value. Um, you know, in a lot of sales training, it's you know it's about getting people to say yes a lot, so they can't say no when you ask them for the for the <laughs> sale. Uh, but but ultimately, um, yeah, write down all your processes, procedures after every single session, and analyze it, see how it went, and um, you know it goes a long way. Like pre-qualifying happens the whole way through the pipeline. Uh, it's not like real quick pre-qual. Uh, usually, what happens then is because there needs to be a certain volume of people coming in for you to close, you know, and if your close rate 60%, you need, you know, to get six clients, you need 10 people in the door to get 12 clients, you need 20 people in the door. So you won't make the sale every time. Uh, so it's important to still get people in and have the opportunity to sell them to make sure that it's a good fit to answer any questions and get them in and basically get into a storyline with them. Um, that's part of the sale, right? So this is something that I think happens a lot with pre-qualifying prospects is uh, people get a little bit overboard with pre-qualing and they eliminate uh, a lot of potential clients. Yeah, I think you need to really understand who you want, how many people you need to get in, how many you can actually close, and then really you have to adjust, test, and modify your forms and your landing pages and all that stuff to get more or less people in there and pay attention to whether or not your close rate goes up and down, your show rate goes up, your no show rate goes up. And, and with each tweak, and I always say tweak one thing at a time because in the scientific process, if you change more than one thing, you're not going to know what worked. So you want to tweak one thing and then pay attention. Did that increase my show up rate or did it increase my no show up rate? Okay, that didn't. Let's tweak something else. Or yeah, that worked. Okay, now we're in a better position. And then when they walk in to your facility, it's, it's the process of just continuously asking why. People are going to come in there with shrouded ideas as to what's going on. Like, why did you come in? Oh, I want to lose weight. Uh, why do you? Well, what, that's a good goal. Everybody wants to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Oh, just because summer's coming. What about summer makes you, like, want to lose weight? I mean, everybody wants to look good naked, obviously, but what's going on? What's coming up? And then, oh, well... I just feel like I've never been in a position to where blah, 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 blah. And so I think it's like four whys before you can actually pull the blah, real, blah, real reason. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Tone look. Blah, blah, blah. He said that. He did. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> but it takes four whys to pull out the real why behind people. And that all of this is a pre-qualification process as well. At the end of it, hey, I think you're a good fit or hey, I think you're not a good fit. And each step along the way, it's like a stream. You have to look upstream at everything that may have worked or not worked and then see what it does downstream. So people aren't showing up. Okay, I'm going to set the contracts up in the text message. Now that I told them that, are more people showing up? Yes, cool, we fixed it. No, okay, keep looking upstream until we figure out where the problem was. Or say you have a, a landing page you set up and there's a form with 39 questions and you're getting one prospect a month who actually fills it out. Obviously, we have a problem with over overqualification on this form, so we cut it down. Now you have four questions, and all of a sudden you have 30 prospects who come in a month. So that obviously worked. And so it's a process of understanding 
that people are going to want to do the minimal amount of things, but you need to try to get them to do the maximal amount of things that they're willing to do in order to qualify them the most effective way. Yeah, and I think something else, Chan, that's important is do not do not get into pre-qualifying and, and, and putting up big walls and all these things with people if you're not getting enough prospects in anyways, right? If you yeah. have a very low stream coming in, uh, doing more pre-qualifying is not going to help. You need to, you need to fix the overall pipeline, get a certain amount of volume in to at least give yourself a shot at closing people uh, and then fine tune it from there. Uh, I think that's a, that's something that we see a lot is, is these, uh, gym owners, they've put up this monster wall and totally dried up prospects in general, Never mind pre-qualifying them. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have any leads or you're not getting any, if you're getting like one a month, then don't even worry about pre-qualifying. Just get volume in there right now. You got to get them in and you got to get, you got to get practice, repetition, right? Like, you know, and start really charting out what's working, what's not working. Uh, what are the, you know? What are these people looking for? Does it match your program? I mean, if you're getting 20 leads a month and nobody's joining because they don't want your program, does the program need to change? Yeah, right? that's where you we may not have good market fit. Yeah, is it upstream? Is it downstream? Where's my problem? And I think when you get new apprentices in as well, just open the floodgates on them. They need a couple hundred hours of sales experience before they're going to be good at it, and you can't expect them to have the same close rate as the average if you're like even your average closer in the gym. So these guys need a volume game. So maybe you open up the floodgates for them, get a couple of hundred people through, and the apprentices are master sales ninjas after that. But they need a lot of practice, so it's it's always playing around with it. Do people need different funnels? Do newer people need the less qualified applicants so they get more experience? Do the more experienced ones who close everything need the more qualified applicants? And you just you, you play with it. It's it's upstream, downstream. What's going on? How can I fix it? Did it improve? Yes. Cool. No. Okay, let's fix something else. Right. And then you're you're in a position to where you can actually masterfully test this like it's a scientific process because it is. Yeah. And it's it's one part of your overall business that needs a lot of attention and you know, constant improvement. Exactly. Mo improvement. Mo, Mo better. Better. I beat you to it. I beat you to <laughs> Dang. it. You're so, so fancy at this. Well, you know. So good stuff, guys. So 1740. Survey went out 11 to 20 is what everybody likes to see for a quick podcast. So I yep. think we're right there. We are. This is where we'll end it. We'll keep it between 11 and 20 minutes because that's yeah. what the majority wants. And that's actually my favorite time frame to actually be on the thing talking for. That's right. That's right. We actually, our brains totally dry up at 20 anyways, and we're just sitting here. So That's true. And then we just eat, <laughs> sit there and eat carrot cake. So you guys don't want to watch us do that. I like carrot cake. I haven't had that in delicious. a while. So good. Well, we've had, what, two big workshops in our VIP group lately where we talked yep. talked about how to essentially write ad copy for your Facebook ads and all that stuff. We had a workshop of creating a compelling offer, and then we're going to do a landing page workshop next week. So two workshops a week in the VIP group if you guys are part of it. If you're actually working with us, you should definitely make sure you join that. If not, just join the regular group and look from afar and wish you could be part of the VIPs. That's right. (laughs) VIP for life. What, what? Hashtag for real, though. That's right. All right, you guys. It's been fun. We will see you later. See ya. Later.